Well, good morning, church. How's everybody doing this morning? So kind of good. You know, you don't got a lot of energy in this place this morning, but oh my goodness. Hey, can we welcome, I bet Lighthouse Point is way more excited. Can we welcome our Lighthouse Point location joining us this morning? Hey, they got excited for you guys. We are so excited that you guys are joining in with us today as we're closing out our series called Faith in the Fire. How many of you guys have enjoyed this series? You've gotten something out of this series. Man, it has been incredible. And I I was like, TJ, I'm going to have to follow you from last week's message. Like he killed it last week. And I was like, I'm going to have to follow that up. But I am so ready to bring a word that I feel like God has had on my heart. So I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, are you ready? ready. You you didn't all do it. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm ready. (laughs) Well, TJ is actually, for those of you guys that don't know me, my name is Shayla. I'm actually Pastor TJ's wife. And he is actually away this weekend. Actually, a super cool opportunity He is in the Dominican Republic with John Maxwell. And what is pretty awesome about that is John Maxwell has some pretty amazing, you know, leadership tools and stuff like that. But he's a pretty awesome guy, but he is so much deeper than that leadership. He actually uses leadership to get to the core of faith and Christianity and all of those types of things. And so what's been amazing is they're in the Dominican Republic and they just met with the president and Congress of Dominican Republic. They're meeting with educational leaders. They're meeting with leaders of the tourism industry and all of that. And what is so cool is I was talking to TJ the other day. He said, during some of those meetings of meeting with the government leaders and officials, they actually signed into their constitution to adopt values-based curriculum to be in all of the schools in the education system, saying that all of these kids need to have this values training in their schools. He's meeting with business leaders with the goal of getting morals and values into that culture and community. And he's not just doing it in the Dominican Republic, he's doing it in countries all over, plans to come to the U.S. and do it. God is doing some pretty amazing things, and we get to be part of that because those are the kind of things that we're investing in as a church so that we can see transformation, not just here in our community, but across the world. And so it's such a cool opportunity for TJ to be be part of and just to get to hang out with the greatest leader of our culture, of our time in, in John Maxwell. It's pretty awesome. But today I want to talk to you guys about something that I believe is absolutely life-changing, life-altering, this thing that I think if we could grab hold of and if we can do, it will change everything about our life. If we can just grab hold of this one principle, this one truth, this one thing, I think it can bring total transformation and change to our marriages, to our families, to our businesses, to our finances. I think think if we can grab hold of this one thing, it could change everything about our life. I'm not sure if you guys want to hear about this one thing that could be totally transformational. I don't know. Do you guys want to hear what it is? Oh, good. A few of you guys responded to that. So good. Because I think there's this, this one thing in my life personally that has changed everything about how I live my life, about who I am, about how I navigate trials and situations. We've been talking about having faith in the fire and this one thing has been completely transformational to everything. And I actually, I don't think you're gonna like this one thing. It's kind of like a a thing that's like 
punches us in the gut a little bit. But man, if we can do it, it would change everything. And this one thing that I'm not sure you're gonna really like, it's a nasty word. It's called consistency. Ooh. Consistency. I think if we can have consistency in our life, it will change everything about our relationships, about how we navigate trials, about how we navigate difficulty. But I, I want to know if I'm speaking to the right crowd, Lighthouse Point, Parkland. Am I speaking to the right people? Because sometimes the only thing that I'm consistent in is inconsistency. <laughs> Am I talking to the right people? Like sometimes, man, I, I want to be the best wife that I can be. And so I try, like TJ's love language is acts of service. And so if I want to let TJ know that I love him, then it's like I, I would clean the house and make it all nice for him. And he like feels loved when he has underwear that are clean and like folded in the drawer and, you know, all of these things. So I'm like, I'm going to be an amazing wife and show my husband how much I love him. And for a week, I keep the house clean. And then it's like I go into my old ways and he ends up doing his own laundry and cleaning all the other stuff. But because he's an amazing husband, he doesn't ever say a word. But sometimes I am so inconsistent in the things that I want to be good at that the only thing I'm consistent at is inconsistency. And sometimes it's so difficult to kind of get in that rhythm of consistency. But if we can be consistent in areas of our life, it will be transformational to so many different things that we're facing. You know, I saw this play out in my life at a very young age, I'm the oldest of six kids. And growing up, when I got to the age, probably about middle school, where I really could start observing my parents and learning stuff about them and kind of watching what they do, I remember getting up in the morning, every morning and beginning to get myself ready for school. And every morning that I got up, I would see my mom sitting in the same chair with her light on, with her Bible open, with her pen and her notebook, reading, journaling, and taking notes. Every single day I woke up, I saw my mom at the same time in the same place doing the same thing. You know what? When her marriage was struggling, she was in the same place doing the same thing every single day. When her marriage was good, she was in the same place doing the same thing over and over again. No matter what life hurled her way, no matter what financial situation was present or how good life was, she was in the same place doing the same thing every single day. I saw a consistency in my mom. And when I saw life going up and down with trials and circumstances and situations, and I saw other people emotionally up and down, I saw my mom just steady because she was consistent in what she did every single day. And I think consistency, I think so many of us, we face trials and circumstances. We're talking about having faith in the fire. Well, I think that faith is actually built in what we do consistently every single day that prepares us for what we're going to walk into so we don't have to be an emotional roller coaster. See, consistency matters. How, have you, any of you guys read the book Atomic Habits? by James Clear, amazing. If you haven't, write it down, read it. It's so good. It's such a, a great way to establish some good habits and rhythms in your life. But here's one thing that I've realized in life. Successful people are also consistent people. If you see people that are cons 
successful in their business, I guarantee you that when you talk to them, they will say it's because I'm consistent in what I do every single day. I wake up at 5 a.m., I eat this, I do this, and I do the same thing every single day, and it's produced the success that everyone is seeing because I've been consistent in what I've done every single day. Consistency is a game changer when it comes to our family, our marriage, our faith, our circumstances and situations. And today I wanna close out this series today by talking about Daniel. Now we've heard, we've been in the, the book of Daniel in the Bible and Daniel, the book of Daniel is actually one of my favorite books of the Bible. I absolutely love, actually I just like the first half of it because I really don't understand the second half of it. Just being real with you guys. So I, I like the first half of it because Daniel is somebody that I look at and I'm like, that's what I wanna model my life after. He's gone through trials and difficulties. He's risen to prominence and leadership, but he's always been consistent in his character and who he is and what he does. And it's led him to places that God has promoted him. And so I wanna talk to you guys about Daniel and, Dan and TJ talked to you guys the first week about Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they sit down at the king's table, and the king wants to serve them some food that would actually defile their beliefs and what they believe, and they were able to kind of stand up in that moment. It's the character test. Who am I when nobody's watching? He talked about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and standing up in the face of culture when culture is trying to tell us something, that we have to stand up for what we believe and what we value. And then trusting God even when it turns out not quite how we thought it would. And this whole series has been about this kind of slew of characters, and today I want to kind of hone in on Daniel. And some of you guys may have heard this story before. Some of you guys may have not. The story of Daniel and the lion's den. Maybe you grew up hearing about it, you know, in Sunday school or something like that, the little flannel graph, you know, moving Daniel around if you grew up in the church. But we've all, or a lot of us, have heard the story of Daniel. It's a popular Bible story, but I want to tell it to you today in a little bit of a different context. Maybe that you haven't heard before. And before we jump into the text and the story of Daniel and the lion's den, I want to tell you about a couple interesting things that are happening as we step into this story. And the first thing is this, Daniel is actually now really a very old man when he is thrown into the lion's den. He, he came to Babylon as a teenager, and all of his adult life, he's been serving in the courts of these kings, and kings have come and gone. There's actually been three different kings in the story of Daniel, so he's lived in this culture. He's seen transition, and now when he gets thrown into the lion's den, he's actually over 80 years old. I mean, we see pictures of Daniel in the lion's den. He's like a teenager, and, but he's actually really, really advanced in age at this point. And he's now serving under a new king named Darius who rules over the new kingdom of the Persian Empire. And while the names of the kings have changed, the spiritual challenge remains the same. Will he remain faithful when the pressure's on? And so King Darius is actually at this place where he's about to once again promote Daniel to a high office. So Daniel, in all of his time, he keeps getting promoted to these leadership positions, and he hasn't had to bow down to culture. He hasn't conformed to what everybody else wants, but God has elevated him to levels where he's opened doors of opportunity for Daniel. 
because he's been consistent and unwavering in who he is. So as this chapter opens, once again, he's about to be promoted to this high office and King Darius has recognized him as a man of integrity and wanted to make him second in command over all of the kingdom. And this is where the intrigue begins. This is where the haters start coming out. Because I don't know about you, when you start getting promotions, people are like, meh, 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 and they want to pull you back down to their level. Because people are insecure and they're jealous. That happens. So check out what happens in the story in Daniel 6, verse 4. It says, the other administrators and high officers began searching for some fault in the way that Daniel was handling government affairs, but they couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn. It says this, he was always faithful, always responsible, and completely trustworthy. Now, those aren't words that you use for somebody that is not consistent in their life. Those are words for somebody that's been consistent in everything that they've done. He was faithful, responsible, trustworthy. So they concluded our only chance of finding grounds for accusing Daniel will be in connection with his rules of his religion. So if we can't find any fault with him and how he operates in life, then we're going to go to something that we know he's going to be consistent in and get him in trouble that way. So Daniel, he's consistent in every season of his life, every day of his life. He's gotten promoted. He's in these positions. And now his enemies are coming, trying to find fault with him and trying to tear him down. And I just wonder, with you and I, let's suppose your enemies decided to check up on you the way that these guys are checking up on Daniel. Suppose they hire a private investigator to look into every aspect of your life, public, private, past, present, what would they uncover? Suppose they check out your business deals, or how you treat your spouse, the websites you visit, how you act on the job, how you treat people of the opposite sex, what your spiritual life looks like. I wonder, could any of us survive that level of scrutiny? I don't think I could. I don't think I could. So these guys find nothing in Daniel's life to accuse him from. So they get this idea, let's go to the king and let's pass this law that says that anyone that prays to other gods or bows down to anybody else, if they do this, they're going to immediately be thrown into the lion's den and killed. And so they go to the king and they convince the king, they manipulate him a little bit to pass this law and the king passes the decree and sends it out to the entire nation and check out what happens in Daniel 6.10. It says, but when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home and knelt down as usual in his upstairs room. With the windows open towards the he didn't even try to hide it. He didn't shut everything. He was like, this is what I always do. He prayed three times a day, just as he has always done, giving thanks to God. So these guys come in and they're like, we got him. So they go to the king and they're like, your boy Daniel, he's praying, he's doing all these things that are breaking the law. So the story continues on in verse 16, it says, so at last the king gave orders for Daniel to be arrested and thrown into the den of lions. And the king said to him, may your God whom you serve faithfully, the king recognized that Daniel's been consistent in his faith. 
He's recognized that there's been a faithful aspect to this guy. No matter what's happened, he's been consistent. And this area of his life, he says, a stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed the stone with his own royal seal and the seals of his nobles so that no one could rescue Daniel. And then the king returned to his palace and spent the night fasting. He refused his usual entertainment and could not sleep all the night. The king is distraught because he knows, I'm doing something to this guy that he doesn't deserve. So very early the next morning, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. And when he got there, he called out in anguish, Daniel, servant of the living God, was your God, whom you serve so faithfully, able to rescue you from the lions? And Daniel answered, long live the king. My God sent his angels to shut the lion's mouth so that they would not hurt me. For I have been found innocent in his sight, and I have not wronged you, your majesty. It's amazing, but check out what continues on. Check out what happens in verse 23. It says, the king was overjoyed that Daniel be lifted from the lion's den. Not a scratch was found on him, for he had trusted in his God. For he had trusted in his God. Now, let me ask you a question. When did Daniel learn to trust God? Listen, he didn't learn it in the lion's den. He learned it every single day on his knees consistently three times a day. So many people think the miracle was that God shut the mouth of the lion, but the miracle is that Daniel was consistent in the face of death or in the face when things were easy. He did the same thing every single day. And that consistency is what brought the miracle. It's what brought him through the fire. It's what brought him out of the lion's den. See, Daniel did not build his faith when he was in the fire or in the battle. He built it on his knees every single day, consistently, morning, day, noon, night. This is where Daniel won. This is where he learned the faith to sustain him in life's difficulties. When life was good, he was consistent. When life was difficult, he was consistent. It was consistency that was able to give Daniel faith in the midst of his fire. And the faith that we need to survive the fires and the trials in life is built long before we're ever in them. And this is why consistency is so important and how we live our life every single day is so important. Here's something that I want you guys to grab hold on. Listen, the more we sweat in peacetime, the less we bleed in wartime. The more we sweat in peacetime, the less we bleed in wartime. That means the more effort and consistency you put in when things are good, the less affected you're going to be when things get bad and when things get difficult because you've been consistent when it's good. It's not going to affect you as much when the battle is in front of you because consistency is so key in building this faith that's going to sustain us when life's difficult. And I wonder if you were consistent in life, what it would look like. I wonder if you were consistent in your marriage, what that would look like. I wonder if you were consistent with your budget, what your finances would look like. I bet the fire wouldn't be so great. 
Wonder if you were consistent in the time that you spent with your kids and the effort that you took with them, what your family life would look like. Because then when that fire pops up, you have relationship, you have the ability to talk through things because you've built the consistency before the fire that will sustain you when you walk through it. See, consistency is so important. So, so let me, how do we grow in consistency? How do we grow in this area of consistency? And I think the first, there's actually three things, and I think the first thing is this. We have to start with the end in mind. We have to start with the end in mind. And Daniel 1.8, the very first chapter of Daniel, it says this, but Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. See, before he ever had to make a choice in the moment, he had already decided this is where my boundaries are. It says he purposed in his heart. He had already made up his mind that this is who I am going to be. And if you present me with something that doesn't take me in this direction, the answer is no. He had clear, he purposed in his heart who he was going to be and the outcome that he wanted to see happen. See, if we want to be consistent in our life, if we want to navigate, have faith in the fire, then we have to begin to start with the end in mind. How many of you guys are puzzle people? Who likes to do puzzles? Every, there are so many puzzle people, it blew my mind. Puzzle people unite. I think we should have a puzzle connect group or something. But here's the thing about a puzzle. A puzzle, this puzzle is full of like all these tiny little pieces. It's full of all of these pieces. But when you start a puzzle, what do you do? You don't look at all the pieces. You start with the end in mind. You start with the picture that you want, what it's supposed to end up, what is the result I'm trying to get through, and that helps me put together the pieces and makes the decisions that I need to make. We have to start with the end in mind, because here's what I've realized. The clearer the vision, the fewer the options, the easier the decisions. The clearer the vision, the fewer the options, the easier the decisions. So here's how that plays out. I have a vision for my life. I have a vision for my family. I have a vision for my faith. The clearer the vision, the fewer the options. So we can identify when somebody comes up and says, oh, here, here's a piece, here's a piece. And you're like, wait, 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 that, that's not part of the picture that I'm trying to build for my life. So the options become fewer and the decisions get easier. No, I'm sorry. I don't want your piece. I got my pieces. Because we understand the vision that God wants to build in our life so our options become fewer and our decisions become easier because we know, what do I need to be consistent in to build this picture? We have to begin to start with the end in mind. See, Daniel, purposed in his heart, he pre-decided, this is who I'm going to be. And if it falls outside of this, it ain't happening. If it falls, no, no, I'm not going to eat your food. No, I'm not going to bow down to your idol. No, I'm not going to follow that decree because it's not in the picture that I have for my life. We have to start with the end in mind. What if you predecided what kind of husband you're going to be? What if you predecided what kind of business owner you were going to be? What if you predecided what kind of parent you were going to be? Because it narrows down the option, it makes your decision so much easier. Is that leading me towards this or does it fall outside of this? 
We need to be consistent in those things because here's what I've realized in pastoring and leading for, for so many years is that we all end up somewhere, but very few of us end up somewhere on purpose. See, all of us have just been collecting these pieces that people have handed us and we're trying to build this life and we're wondering why we're frustrated and it's not working out. It's because we've just accepted everything else everyone has given us instead of going, God, what is your picture for me? What do you want to see for my life? What is the picture for the faith that I want to have? Can I tell you guys, if you can get the foundation and a picture of what you want your faith to look like, it will affect every other area of your life. If you will start with the foundation of faith, just like Daniel did. He was consistent in everything that he did. And then number two, we have to embrace the process. See, part of a puzzle there's a whole lot of pieces that have to be put together. And these don't just happen overnight. No, it's a process. It's piece by piece, moment by moment, day by day. It's taking the time to find the right piece and to, to put it in there. But you have to be consistent in going and putting these pieces together in order to get the outcome that you desire in your life. And it's that consistency that's going to build that trust and that dependence and that picture is going to become clearer and clearer and clearer. And as you get into the process and you're embracing the process, have you guys ever found a puzzle piece and you're like, oh, there it is. That's it. It fits. And you start to get excited because you found the right piece or it fit in there good. And when you embrace the process, there's joy to it. There's difficulty to it. But you're taking time to be consistently building something rather than just allowing life to kind of happen. And if we want to have faith in the fire, we have to consistently build that faith. So when the fire comes, we have what is needed to have peace and distrust and to sustain us in those moments. You know, Daniel, he did this so well. He, it says he prayed daily. If we go back to Daniel 6.10, it says, but when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home and knelt down as usual, saying, listen, this is something that he has done every single day, probably his whole life. Like, I'm gonna be consistent no matter what life is throwing at me, no matter what trial is coming at me, no matter what somebody is saying, I'm gonna do what I've always done. And I'm going to be consistent in the things that matter. It says, with its windows open to Jerusalem, he prayed three times a day. Again, it says, just as he had always done. Just as he has always done. Daniel had a routine. He had a rhythm. He had a process. He prayed morning, middle of the day, evening time of the day. And can I just go back to this again? Because the foundations of your faith are so important in order to affect all of the other areas of your life. And it is really not that difficult to establish that rhythm and routine that's going to sustain you in those moments. Daniel's in this rhythm. It takes one or two minutes, maybe, and you can build on that, but think about this, Daniel. What if you got up in the morning and you just invited God into your day? Like I know the kind of picture that I'm, I'm trying to create and God needs to be a part of that and my faith is a big part of that. So what if I got up in the morning and just invited God into my day? 
How long does that take? Maybe two minutes? Lord, I just invite you into my day. Give me eyes to see, ears to hear. Give me the right heart to process through what's gonna happen. Give me the mental capacity to be able to deal with what I'm gonna deal with. Lord, help me with my coworkers today. Invite him into your day. And then when you get the middle of the day, pause for a second. Talk to him. God, I'm about to walk into a meeting and I'm not sure what's going to happen in this meeting. Will you give me wisdom? Will you give me confidence? Will you give me peace? It's just having this conversation with God and you're developing this rhythm in your life. And then at night, before you go to bed, before you turn off the lights, before you lay your head down, God, I am so thankful. God, thank you for giving me this day. Thank you for allowing me to have breath in my lungs. Thank you for giving me what I needed to sustain this day. God, that you would give me a sweet rest tonight, Lord, so that I can wake up in the morning and start over. We're developing a rhythm so that when the fires of life comes, we don't respond to that happening. We go right to that rhythm that we've created and we're inviting God into every space of that. And that is bringing trust and hope and peace into our life. See, Daniel has established this rhythm, and here's what I've realized, that consistency in the small things no one likes leads to the big things that everyone wants. You think about it. You look at somebody's marriage that you admire. I guarantee you it is a result of consistency in their daily life. You look at somebody that has an extremely successful business, I guarantee you that they will say that it's because of consistency in what they've done every single day. People come to me all the time and say, Shayla, I don't understand like how you can trust God like you trust God. Shayla, I don't understand how you have the, the level of faith you have. It just seems so easy to you. I wish I had the faith like you and TJ. And what you're witnessing is just a, a outflow of the consistency that's been in our life. You have the same opportunity to have the same level of faith. All it is is consistency in your everyday life. Consistency matters. And what we have to realize is we don't get to this overnight. It is the consistent choices that we make every single day to get the result that we want to get. And then number three, you have to focus on progress, not perfection. Focus on progress, not perfection. Winston Churchill said it like this. Perfection is the enemy of progress. Perfection is the enemy of progress. What this means is, you know what, I, I want, what happens even, even if we're putting together a puzzle, when we put, pick up a piece and we begin to put it in that puzzle and it doesn't quite fit, we don't just give up and throw in the towel and be like, oh, it wasn't the right piece. I didn't get it perfect this time, so forget all of it. No, we go and we look for the next piece and we try the right find the right piece that that fits in the puzzle. Listen, there are going to be days when you go, man, I, I want this certain picture of faith and I need to get up every day and I need to pray and you're going to miss a day. That's not when you just give up and say, I could never do this. I can't do this. No, it's not about perfection. It's about progress. It's going, I'm going to dust myself off. Tomorrow's a new day. I'm getting up and I'm moving forward. You know, probably about a year, year and a half ago, I was walking through some health, little health challenges in my life, and 
I decided, you know, I'm going to get healthy and I'm going to do some things that will help with, you know, just my body and getting healthy. So I started working out and I started working with a nutrition coach. When I sat down and talked with her, she laid out this plan and we, you know, had all of these things that I could do that I could be successful. And I remember getting into it. And here's one thing I realized. I love cheat meals. I mean, I love them. I probably cheated more than I did good. And I remember having to go meet with her and be like, I cheated a lot. And I remember her looking at me and saying, Sheila, first of all, quit calling them cheat meals. And second of all, do well 80% of the time. If you don't eat good at dinner, eat good at breakfast. If you don't eat good at breakfast, eat good at lunch. This is not about perfection. This is about progress. And if you can get it right 50% of the time, get it right 50% of the time. And that'll move to 60% and then 70% and then 80%. And by the time you know it, you will be in that rhythm where it just becomes natural to you. And no matter what you face in that situation, it's easy to make the right decision. See, we have to focus on progress, not perfection. You know, Paul said this so well in Philippians 3, 12 and 13. He says, now that, not that I have already obtained this or that I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Listen, Jesus has a picture for my life. He has something that's so beautiful. He has this plan and I haven't perfected it yet and I don't always get it right. But I consider that I've not made it my own, but the one thing I do, he said, forgetting what lies behind and straining towards what's ahead. Basically, he's saying, listen, I can't change my mistakes. I can't change my failures. I can't change what happened at church on my way in here on the drive over. I can't change those things. But what I can do is strain towards what is ahead. I can get up, I can dust myself off, and I can try again. Because we serve a God that is not asking for perfection. And so many times we come into church and we think, oh, I got to be perfect. I don't have it all together. God couldn't accept me. He couldn't use me. He couldn't forgive me. He couldn't do it because I screw up all the time. But you know, the Bible says that his mercies are new every morning. Like every single day, he's going, listen, you might not have been perfect yesterday, but today's a new day. Pick yourself up, dust yourself off, move forward because this is about progress, not perfection. And some of you guys, you're struggling in your marriage or you're struggling in your finances, you're struggling in your faith. And can I just give you the key to all of that is to build consistency in your life, to consistently day by day, week by week, minute by minute, hour by hour, year by year, is that you make progress. And if you don't get it right one day, get up the next day and do it again. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, maybe you're somebody that stepped into this place today and you know, you might not even know why you're here. <laughs> but God does. And you've been trying to 
put it all together and is this going to work and is this going to work and is this going to work and you've been getting beat up by life. And I believe that you're here today because God wants to restore something in you. Maybe you've never invited God into your life or into your story, but can I tell you, there, there is a God that loves you so much, that is so present in this moment, that brought you here for an intentional purpose today. The Bible says that he formed us in our mother's womb, that he knew us before we were even born, and he's got something beautiful for your life, something that heals, something that restores, something that gives hope, something that, that gives peace. And when we invite him into that, he changes everything. And if you've never experienced that before, but you're going, Shayla, I've tried it on my own, and today I want to invite God into that piece of my life, then I would love to pray for you. So on the count of three, if that's you, I would love for you to slip up your hand. One, two, three. Just slip up your hand. Yes, I see you. One. Yes. Two. Three. Yes. Four, yes, five. Anybody else? Six, thank you. If you'll just repeat in your heart as I pray out loud, God, today I surrender. God, I surrender my past, my failures, my mistakes, my hurt, my pain, all of the, all of the things that I've carried this far. And today I lay them down and I surrender those things. And God, I ask that you would come into my life, that you would heal me, that you would restore me, that you would forgive me, that you would give me a new picture for my life. And God, while I might not have gotten it perfect up to this point, Lord, I ask today, God, that you would help me make progress towards who you want me to be. And God, I pray for every single person in this room, God, that you would give us the ability to walk forward in life in consistency so that we can see you do the miraculous. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray, amen.